Welcome, everybody, to the Emmanuel Pastors Podcast. Usually your chance to listen in on a conversation between uh, the two pastors at Emmanuel. But uh, today we have a little bit of a different format. I'm actually going to be interviewed by two members of Emmanuel. Uh, I got an email a couple days ago from Emma, who said she had an, an uh, interview she had to do with one of her pastors for a class that she's taking at, at Moody Bible Institute. And uh, I had looked at those questions that she was asking. I said, huh, I've seen these. This isn't the first time I've seen these. So what if we recorded this as a podcast and in the future, if someone is going to come ask me those same questions, then um, I can just point them to here. And it could be a fun way to also let other people listen in on the conversation because it might be interesting to more people. And then I got an email last night from Joy saying, hey, could I interview you? I have questions for this class I'm taking. And I thought, hmm, those are the same questions. Why don't we have Joy and Emma on the podcast? So here we are. Hey, Emma. Hey, Joy. Hello. Good morning. And what's the name of the class that you're taking? The class is called Faith and Learning. Faith and Learning. So uh, it's for education majors and also pre-counseling majors, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, kind of, a, I think this would be an interesting conversation. We can go through the questions that you have to ask for your, your syllabus, but uh, in general, I think this would be something that uh, might be beneficial for anybody to listen in on, kind of a Christian theory of education, of learning, mm-hmm. so to speak. Yes. Yes, absolutely. A big um, perspective is just that we address the class is that education is so much less about information than we think and so much more about formation. So formation of character and spirit. And so a big thing that we do talk about is the role of the church in that because obviously that's so intimately involved in informing and transforming the spirit. So cool. So um, I'll hand it over to you. And you can take take the reins and interview me, and then. Um, but we can. It can be kind of two way if you guys want to interject or ask follow up questions, or um, we can just kind of see where the conversation goes. Yeah, right. absolutely. Yeah. Take it away. Sounds great. Yeah. So the questions sort of begin with um, asking about your own personal experience, Pastor Nathan, with education and what that looked like for you, how that formed you in your character. So um, the first question that we were just going to ask is, how were you personally schooled growing up, um, and what educational experiences did you have? So I am a product of public school. Um, I grew up in a, uh, about an hour north of where you grew up, Emma. And um, it was a, you know, a small, small town kind of public school where I remember we'd have convocations in elementary school and the a local pastor would come and pray. <laughs> wow. Mm-hmm. I got I got spanked by the principal uh, in elementary school. So anyway, wow. that, that, that kind of public school. But um, yeah, so, uh, and it was, I went to kindergarten. Uh, I actually went to a preschool across the street and went to kindergarten and through 12th grade and it was all kind of in the same location, like a complex of of schools, uh, school buildings. So, um, then I went to, uh, Wheaton college. So I had a Christian college experience, um, Hmm. and did, uh, did a bachelor's in, um, biblical studies with a minor in political science. Hmm. And then I stuck around and did a master's in biblical exegesis. And Hmm. I am in a, few weeks away from finishing another master's degree from Trinity Evangelical Divinity School in urban ministry. So that's my educational pedigree. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. That's so interesting hearing your perspective and your experience also on, like you were saying, growing up in the public school, because it just looks, it's such a different environment now. And yes, that's probably partly culturally um, being in a smaller town in Indiana. But that is so interesting. So fascinating. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure that the principal doesn't spank kids anymore. <laughs> yeah, but. I would doubt it. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I, 
I heard that it, you mentioned that there's a local pastor that came and did convocation. So I'm hearing that God was a little bit in that learning process, at least there. So how for you um, did you see God as part of the learning process? Yeah, there was cultural Christianity, I think, present in, in that, you know, kind of a church as chaplain to society uh, when I was growing up. Um, we had a baccalaureate service, um, you know, the night before my high school commencement, where pretty much everybody that was at graduation would go to that too. Um, you know, the high school speech teacher was a, was a pastor and would, <clears throat> you know, talk about spiritual things with me, even at school. Um, my best friends were Christians. So it was, um, you know, it was, I, I became a Christian when I was seven years old. And, uh, and so for pretty much all of my, you know, uh, public school days, I was, I knew the Lord. So he was, he was with me throughout all of that. Um, there was also what you would normally find with kids and, you know, all kinds of sin and ways to get in trouble. Uh, as well, but uh, but yeah, God was with me, and then I, you know, was part of a, a church as well. So I had um, church and youth group stuff kind of on the side. Um, going to Wheaton College, that was um, that was a new that was new because it was in a place where they were intentionally trying to integrate faith and learning, and so it was a liberal arts school, not just a Bible college, but a, it, I mean, the full array of disciplines there. So I took philosophy and political science and literature and uh, hard science classes and um, just art, art, all that stuff. So trying to think about everything from uh, a biblical worldview. That was, that was the first time that that was kind of ingrained in me, I think, uh, was in, in college. That's interesting. So it sounds like God didn't really come up much during the school day explicitly in any of the the lessons that you were learning in in elementary grade school but it did come up more in wheaton is that what i'm hearing you say explicitly yeah i mean it wasn't part of the public school curriculum um mm -hmm. per se but uh yeah okay interesting yeah, so transitioning a little bit um, into the immediate communities um, around just IBC and thinking of parents and their own kids here in the Chicago area, um, just a general question, what type of schooling and educational opportunities are there for people at IBC and at the church? Is there a more common route that you see families taking for education or what are sort of the schools like around our immediate area? Yeah, this is a huge question. Actually, it's one of the one of the biggest challenges of living in the city is figuring out the schooling component. Um, we are not a church that takes kind of a position on 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 uh, like everybody here homeschools or everybody here goes to a Christian school or everybody here does mm -hmm. public school. And I, I think that's a good thing. I, we want to be a church that's just about Jesus and not any sort of subculture or something else that kind of gets added on that you kind of feel like you have to be or do to be mm. part of this community. So, so we have people that feel pretty strongly about, um, homeschooling in the, in the, in the church. And then within homeschooling, there's different philosophies and, um, approaches, but I think there's a, a couple people in the church that are really into Charlotte Mason sort of ideas, which is great. Mm. Um, we have people in the school, in the church that send their kids to public schools we have uh, teachers in our church that teach at a Christian classical school. And so we've, 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 we're diverse in that sense. Um, what are the options in the city of Chicago? <laughs> it's, um, you know, we had to go through this with, with our five kids, especially when we, Lucy, our oldest, was going getting into school age. So we did a lot of research and um, reading and thinking and praying. And I think it really depends family by family yeah mm -hmm. and kid by kid even i mean we say with mm. each kid we're gonna kind of take it step by step and and see how it goes um but uh you know there's there's homeschool is always an option and there's a lot of good um co-ops and communities to find um find ways to be involved with others 
in homeschooling. There are <coughs> uh, a few Christian schools in the city. Um, there's one in our neighborhood, Chicago Hope Academy. Uh, there's one in the South Loop, Daystar. Those are pretty close by. Um, Chicago Hope Academy is, you could probably get in with highly scholarshiped. Daystar, again, has scholarships, but would cost a little bit more money. So either of those options was a, more financially, a financial investment on mm, our end. Yeah. Um, this, the public school system is complicated. It's a mess. Mm. Um, there's, there's the neighborhood school that you're always guaranteed a seat at, <clears throat> but uh, sometimes those can be underperforming academically, uh, have different, um, different issues in them, and also oftentimes, like, like Chicago, is, is very segregated. So, you know, some these schools can be 95% one, uh, one race or culture, ethnicity. And so not very diverse. So then you have uh, selective enrollment schools. These are ones you have to test into, right? Mm, uh, yeah. So even as like a five-year-old, we, we did this with Lucy. We took her to this child psychology office at IIT and she sat through some testing to see if she's a genius. And, <laughs> um, and then if you, if you are a genius, then you enter into a lottery to get into some of these very selective schools <clears throat> um, we didn't wow. go that route. We went to the magnet school route, which are these uh, schools that are open to anybody uh, within the city, um, and you don't have to test into them. It's just a pure lottery. And so there's a, uh, a really good magnet school right in the UIC area, so it's within our church's target area and neighborhood, and it's one of the best schools in the city, and it's very very balanced, very diverse, um, mm. and um, and we 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 liked that, so we applied to it, and there were, I think at that time over three thousand applications for around forty openings. Wow! And the Lord opened the door, and uh, and she got in, and so once in, in in K through eight is how the Chicago school system is set up, and once mm -hmm. you get into a K through eight elementary school, your siblings. Are almost guaranteed a spot as well so that was kind of a golden ticket for us mm. but still we were very took it with a lot of trepidation and um have taken it year by year and um we're nervous but uh her kindergarten teacher was uh, a pastor's kid <laughs> mm. um coach gordon wayne gordon's daughter was her kindergarten teacher and mary's kindergarten teacher and um i just remember the first Christmas program we went to there I don't know for sure but it seemed like the music teacher at the time was a, was a believer and it was mm. almost like a church Christmas cantata <laughs> I was like what is going on this is downtown Chicago you know yeah um, yeah and there's there's also there's a, a, a moms in prayer group that uh, was at the church at the school that was moms uh, Christians in the school praying for the school every week and Andrea has since taken that over and uh, gets together with several Christian moms and meets on every Friday to pray for the school, for the principal, the students. And um, anyway, I could go on and on, but that's, that's kind of much the, the lay of the land. You have public school and different variations within that. You have private schools, and then you have um, homeschool option. So it can be done, and uh, mm. everybody's a homeschooler kind of right now, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> to some extent. Yeah, that's really good to hear. And I guess just like one of the great benefits of living in the city is how many opportunities there are for so many different mediums of education. So, and that's so cool to hear about your <clears throat> own experience and the way the Lord opened that door. Thank you for sharing yeah, that. Yeah, God was good. And we just, we said, we're not going to, we're not going to drive, you know, a half an hour out of the neighborhood we're going to go to it we're going to either find a school in the neighborhood or homeschool and be very neighborhood focused so that was a value for us yeah. but lots of challenges one i'll just mention now maybe more will come up but um the uh every year that we've been there at andrew jackson language academy um which by the way andrew jackson is being canceled so they're renaming the school 
Um, wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're hoping for Absalom Jones Language Academy. That's one of the runners, and he was uh, one of the founders of the African Methodist Episcopal Church. Anyway, huh. interesting story. You can look him up, but that would keep the AJLA acronym. Anyway, every year we've been there at AJLA, the budget has been cut. So wow. this is going on nine years. The same amount of students, they're trying to do the same thing with less money each year. It's just, so public education has, is fraught with issues, but hmm. but that's where God has us for now. We can talk more about that, I'm sure. But yeah, That's making me wonder what led you to choosing public education as opposed to um, a, a Christian school or homeschooling your kids. Um, that's not technically the quote-unquote next question, but that's, that's yeah. what I'm wondering right now. Let's go there. Sure. Uh, again, I think all those three can be viable options. Um, all of them have challenges, right? There's not one that's clearly the right, right thing. I mean, I think sometimes some parents might not be well-suited to teach their kids. <laughs> um, sometimes, sometimes you have to be very intentional about getting the socialization that you need if you're homeschooling. But you can also, what a wonderful way to just invest in your kids and be, um, be with them in those formative years. Um, pub or private school. I mean, it, it costs money. Uh, it also, mm-hmm. you know, you're 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 exporting your kids to other people. In some ways, it could be a little even more dangerous because it's explicitly religious. But what if they're getting bad religious education? You know. Mm. Um, plus, there's the whole imposter syndrome of you know the, the Christian kids, quote unquote, that go to Christian schools that are worse than public school kids you know and some of the it's not like you can get away from bad influences anywhere so True. those are just some immediate thoughts but and then in public school you have uh, you have uh, a whole host of issues uh, influences and some of the the stuff that's embedded into the curriculum uh, can be really bad um, our school was um, they were doing so in the state of Illinois at least currently parents can mm-hmm. opt their kids out of sex education yes yes so <clears throat> we've always not always actually so every year we look at at the curriculum and what's going to be taught and sometimes we're like that's okay um and then other years it's no we're not going to have our kids in that one so um but uh but we but that's an option and the sex education curriculum is being revamped a few years ago and was having some even more atrocious horrible stuff in it and some people mm-hmm. from our kids' school actually led a charge of of, of protesting this and uh, got it stopped. So really? that was kind of cool. Yeah, we were part of that process, and praise God. Uh, but I think it's still going to get snuck in more subtly in different ways as time goes by. Um, mm-hmm. But so that's an issue. Um, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so I think if you're going to send your kids to public school. It's as a Christian, it's it's paramount that you have a very strong home, and a very involved mom and dad, and that the kids are have been are be are, everything's being supplemented, checked, um, and the kids have a really strong base at home. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, for us, from birth, and I really I'm serious, from birth. We've, we've had family worship. And I, I mean, I would just, again, we did a podcast on family worship. I would point people back to that again. Your kids are not too little. Just from the very beginning, they, mm-hmm. they, the rhythms of hearing God's word, prayer, singing, um, and, and that's just adapted as they've gotten older. And so that's a huge part of our family. So every morning at breakfast, before they go off to school, we have 15 minutes of family worship and um and then and then i think family worship in the morning we have tuck-in routines at night bedtime routines um we realized as we had more kids and there were different age groups family worship at different times could be aimed different ways but we've always had like bible time for the little kid that's maybe stuff's going over their heads so um so that's how nighttime starts off. Use the potty, brush your teeth. Everybody upstairs, get in your jammies. It's Abby's Bible time. We do Bible time. Older <laughs> kids are listening and hearing and helping. Uh, then we read 
something from some literature right now we're in little house on the prairie and then it's doxology and we pray together and we sing a hymn together so that's our bedtime routine it caps off the day and then in between that there's all kinds of um what there's a great book called everyday talk just you know kind of based on deuteronomy 6 as you're walking as you're sitting as you're going you're talking about things you see and just keeping up those relationships with the kids so that we're processing everything they're engaging we're helping them process it with the biblical worldview and um <clears throat> that's if you're not doing that that's and you're just completely handing them over to public school that's a bad idea god's grace god's grace reaches into any situation and snatches people out that's always how he works but um as parents that's our main responsibility is to be shaping them and helping them mm -hmm. and then after right now recently we've started with the older kids now they're getting into the teenage years and so yes. after we put the little ones to bed lucy and mary have their own room and then i go over there and we talk we talk about anything they want to talk about things they're dealing with asking they ask all kinds of questions about things they're seeing and we're reading through books together so we just read an apologetics book together and now we're reading um my tech wise life which is by the daughter of andy crouch who wrote the tech wise family which is a good book on how to try to curb the influence of tech and screens in our kids mm -hmm. and uh, this is a girl in college writing about her experience growing up in a tech wise family and that's bringing up conversations about technology and all that that influence you know so anyway, I guess I would say if you do any of these have pros and cons, pitfalls and, and promises. And, and uh, if you do the public school route, you really have to be really vigilant about being super engaged, helping with homework yes. educationally, but also giving them the biblical framework to <clears throat> to view the things that they're engaging with. Um, I'll also say at this point, I think we always have to have a really uh, clear <clears throat> grasp of two equally true truths. One is that this world is crammed full of common grace. And two, this world is totally depraved. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and see those things everywhere, right? So in public school education, there is a ton of common grace. I mean, reading, writing, arithmetic is the same if you're wherever you're at, whoever you are. Um, there's dedicated people there that care for students. There's just a, there's just a lot of common grace there. At the same time, it, everything's flavored with total depravity, and you have to sift that out and try to see that. And that's where the kind of the biblical lens comes in. Yes. Total depravity is also going to be seen in a Christian school or in homeschool curriculum curricula. Um, so. Um, but yeah, I, I, have a, I have a high view of, of common grace, that there's a lot of that out there. Um, yeah, mm -hmm. we can. I'm, so there's, yep. there's clearly strong values in your family, in your home. You've done an excellent job with that foundation. And I can tell that from every time that I talked to Mary and Lucy. Uh, just the other day, we went and got coffee and we were having a conversation and we ended up talking about the nature of sin and... Lucy started talking about um, Adam as a representative and then Jesus as a second Adam. So that's that's already in there and I can see cool. it coming out. That's that's excellent. And I was asking her, so where did you get that kind of language? And she said, oh, my dad. She says that a lot when I ask her uh, deeper questions. She says, oh, yeah, my dad. So that you have strong family values at your home, but what values are, are promoted in, in AJLA? Well, really fast on that, like that's cool, but it reminds us that ultimately everything we do has to eventually become their own, you know, <laughs> like she's got it all from me and her mom, but hopefully that someday that's really clicks and it's like, it's not just parroting what her dad says, mm -hmm. but it's something that's, that's her. true. And that's, that's the, that's the, the great challenge of parenting is just totally entrusting your kids to the Lord and praying and praying and praying mm. that God mm -hmm. would would um, give him a new heart. Yes. Um, AJLA, the values there, um, they uh, explicitly are stated values. They have a few different of those things, and I forget all of them, but one that they were doing for a while was like seven habits of highly effective children, which is based on a, you know, 
pretty famous thing, Seven Highlights, Habits of Highly Effective People, Stephen Covey, he's a Mormon, I think. Um, and so they, they were kind of hitting these things, and I read the book, went through it, and thought about it, and I thought, I think all these things are kind of biblical principles, right? Um, basic, elemental, you know, common grace, natural law stuff, like sharpen the saw, I think that's that's Sabbath and rest, you know, uh, think win-win, synergize, um, begin with the end in mind. Like these are I mean, like, okay, I can, that's cool. You know, it's, there's no gospel there, but I'm not expecting the public school to teach my kids the gospel, but they're getting the law reinforced in many ways. Uh, so that's common grace side of things. The, um, total depravity side of things. I think there's, um, the, the gender stuff is, is kind of getting really weird and out of control. The, That's true. The, um, just the, the general humanistic, I mean, this is post-enlightenment. It's, infil it's filtered to everything. But mm -hmm. you are the center. Do what, what makes you feel happy. Find, you know, you love yourself, care for yourself. Who are you? Self-expression. It's just, I mean, that, that stuff... It's this. It's the air we we breathe. It's the water we're swimming in. And if you think you're not getting it because you're not in public school, it's just you are. It's it's the the rise and the triumph of the modern self, as a new book has put it. And it's it's clearly there. But my kids, uh, I think, you know, we watch Disney movies and we watch movies and we talk about them. And and now they know the common Disney trope of be yourself, find your dream, you can do anything. And and we make fun of that together. And. Um, <laughs> And they get some of that garbly gook in some of the calm classroom kind of methods, like, you know, breathe in and breathe out. And um, what I forget all the things that are said, but it's just kind of weird psychobabble. And the kids mm -hmm. laugh at it and make fun of it. And I'm like, okay, I'm fine with that. <laughs> you know, so, um, yeah. I'm sure there's lots, lots more that's kind of embedded into it, but it all kind of stems from that post-enlightenment human at the center yes. of the universe yes. sort of idea. That's interesting that. Um, mm -hmm. That you can identify the stated, the explicit values, and some of the implicit values that maybe aren't communicated as clearly. The hidden and the and the null curriculum. Uh, yep. That's definitely something to be aware of and to analyze especially as uh, believers sound like you've been taking an education course <laughs> yeah and I something that I absolutely love hearing is just it seems like a um, a big theme in the way that this has worked so well for your own children is just the concept of open communication um, yeah. and I think it's really beautiful that it seems like at the beginning, obviously, um, you were the one who sort of had to initiate that open conversation. But now it's so sweet to hear that your girls themselves will come to you with these questions. Um, and I think that goes back to what you're saying, that if um, you choose a mode of education um, that takes a sort of deprogramming on the parents' end, you have to make sure you have that open space and time to do that so it's not just slowly planting seeds um, in their hearts and minds that are just like going unnoticed. Um, yeah. So I think that's really, that's really encouraging to hear. Um, and then a next question I sort of have, and you touched on this, um, but what sort of role um, does scripture have in education specifically, whether that's um, sort of like you do with your kids, providing the framework of scripture before they enter their educational experience, or um, if scripture's included in the actual classroom educational experience? Well, I guess it just depends on which kind of education setting you're in. So I, I wouldn't expect it to be at a public school, nor would I want it to be. I mean, hmm. in some ways, the whole idea of like, we need to put prayer back in public schools. I'm like, uh, no, I don't want the state actually explicitly teaching my kids about education because about about um, Christianity because they're gonna they're gonna teach a, a distorted civil religion brand mm. you know it's not gonna be Trinitarian justification by faith alone it's gonna be blah generic 
God, and that's just as damning yep. as anything else. So, uh, so I wouldn't expect it in a public school, but in a Christian school, uh, or my experience at Wheaton, you know, it should be peppered and and throughout everything. Um, so, if either you're getting that in your Christian school, you can be getting that, and then well, either way, if you're a public or Christian school, you need to be also getting it at home, and so. The home life is again really key. Hmm. Yeah, and then a comment that you made earlier about um, I thought it was interesting how when you were addressing Christian schools, sometimes there is the danger um, of more of a um, just sort of miscommunication or misleading in the Christian schools because there is that perspective of, oh, I'm hearing biblical truth. So whatever's being conveyed to me obviously is coming from an authority figure. And so therefore mm-hmm. I should accept it because mm-hmm. it's a Christian school and <clears throat> obviously they're based upon biblical principles. But I, I thought that it was good that you addressed how sometimes that can be even more misleading if they aren't faithfully conveying scripture. So there's really no education context where we can be completely, just let our guards down, yeah, you know? No magic bullet. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and most Christian schools are probably gonna have to be pretty big tent as well. So they're gonna appeal to a Presbyterian, a Baptist, a Pentecostal, and therefore you're gonna get a big soup of things where you're like, well, I don't actually, want my kids being influenced by some of that theology so anyway that's an interesting aspect that i hadn't considered before specifically the denominations in in christian school but i i want to think on that a little bit more uh later but for considering the educational context that you have uh just for example right now your kids what what do you think that uh your kids are learning about the nature of man from their educational experience yourself when you were in public school what did you learn about the nature of man from educational experience well i think the educational system is uh, trying to um, inculcate of anthropology of human innocence um, you are it's an in, it's an incoherent but it's incoherent in their worldview, but it's, but the, but the idea is that you are, you are special. You are a snowflake or you, you can be anything you set your mind to be all that kind of mumbo jumbo. Um, but if the Holy Spirit's working, again, um, then I'm trusting that my kids are going to be seeing maybe not in, in the implicit, teaching but they're, they're going to be seen on display the total depravity of man you know? mm-hmm. um, and start and try to draw those connections like wait a second that's that's not right or why is that happening the people that they they meet the, the thing yes. they're going to be exposed to the brokenness of the world very quickly parent you know kids that come from you know single parent homes um, mm. poverty um, it's it obvious it's almost pretty uniform that someone that's coming from a broken home situation has got kind of some behavioral issues and and then i get a chance to talk through that with they're like why is this kid cussing or or whatever you know mm-hmm. and and we get to talk through like well that parent that parent that kid's parents just are getting divorced talk through divorce you know um and it gives the kids a chance to learn to love people um but uh I think I, I meandered a little bit from your first question, but yeah, I think the explicit teaching is humanistic, um, but we can help them help them see the alternate view. Yeah, so you're giving them at home the tools to recognize, identify, and respond to the specific worldview that is being presented in the classroom, and then they're seeing in their SEL classes, which social is social and emotional learning yeah that's something new i haven't heard about until they brought it up the other day they yeah, can see what what is this mindfulness telling me what is what is this communicating to me and what does god say about it and um, what is what is the truth here so uh, that's very, yeah, it's very great that they have that to consider 
at some point all of us have to learn to live in the world and not be of the world so it's it's kind of figuring out how to best guide your kids through that process of releasing them into the world and uh, every, again every family is different every personality and kids different and um, it takes a careful thought but uh, but the end goal has to be not just sheltering your kids forever but helping them know how to navigate this crazy crazy crooked world hmm. yeah absolutely and also just continuing that sort of conversation moving from the nature of man specifically um, to just the theme of spiritual reality what do you think um, local children in our like current context um, how are local children learning about and engaging with a spiritual reality is it sort of do you feel like public schools even address any sort of higher power or is it more that humanist perspective like you were saying where you you are the higher power sort of elevating yourself to the place of god god is everywhere i mean that's a, that's just a fact but then it's also um you see it reflect i mean i turn on npr listen to it for three hours a day and write down all the times that you're going to hear god mentioned somehow hmm. uh, referenced like he, he just it's inescapable Romans one tells us everybody knows he's there. There was a neighbor, a neighborhood kid we had into our house several years ago, and gave him some paper, and he was just doodling, and he drew a picture of a of a of a face of somebody that looked kind of like him, with a thought bubble coming out, and it said God question mark Like, I, I hadn't, hmm. you know, it's like everybody knows wow. God is there, so yeah. um, he's everywhere. And right now in um, first grade, every day they are listening to and learning the black national anthem hmm. um which has black church kind of stuff woven into it it has explicit kind of god language there <laughs> and yeah. uh and uh there's I, I think at least one other kid in ellie's class that's her mom is part of the moms in prayer group and um anyway they both like talk frequently about they, I mean, when they get in their little breakout rooms, they're like evangelizing their little kids. I mean, I don't know if they know the Lord yet, but they're talking about God. And one time I remember I heard the teacher asking, like, what does this line mean? They were trying to sort of exegete the the text of the, the song. And the kids were like, that's about heaven. And the teacher was like, oh, wait, well, we can't really talk about that here. You know? mm. and, and I was like, well, you just brought it up. You know, yeah. it's there. Um <laughs> And, there, and and so I got to follow up with Ellie afterwards about that. Like, don't 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 listen to that sort of hard dichotomy that 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 school is where you God isn't present. You know, take God with you there and think about everything that you're learning from a God perspective. But yeah, he's there. Hmm. Absolutely. You did mention a little bit earlier that the church doesn't specifically um, advocate one way for parents to pursue education for their kids. Um, I, the technical question is asking how many times a year does the application of a sermon give advice to parents about schooling their children? So if you're not going to recommend one specific way, how how would you share principles for things that parents should consider when pursuing education for their children? Yeah, I could probably, I, I've always thought I could do a better job at this and I still have room to grow of, of trying to make application in the sermon to children and families. Um, that's probably not my main audience I have in mind, but it probably needs to be more so. We try, to, we try to, in our prayers, prayers. We, um, during the Sunday serv services, we try to pray for um, schools in the neighborhood by name, or, you know, in the fall when it's kind of like the start of a new school year, we'll pray for students. Um, we had a, a parenting cohort a couple years ago with parents, and we tried to, to talk through some of these things with them there. Um, but yeah, I mean, you could probably answer that question better than me. Do you ever hear it come up in a sermon? Or I guess it's in this podcast right now. 
It is it is here and now. I I think that it would perhaps be able to be distilled from some of the general principles of the bigger ideas that are talked about, but I think that would take a little bit more careful evaluation and analyzation of the the sermons and then specifically taking it and applying it to an educational context because I, I can't yeah. quite remember hearing a whole lot explicitly about education um, but I do know that we we do pray for teachers we do pray for schools and the city it comes up in, in prayer as you mm-hmm. mentioned but um, and we use catechisms and, right mm-hmm. that's a that's more of a classical model of education the sort of um, that first stage of mm-hmm. rote memorization mm-hmm. you know I forget what the Latin words are for those you might remember them but um but yeah mm-hmm. I'm, I'm big on that you know just make yeah. them memorize these answers and then mm-hmm. and then as they enter into like the teen years then they can start asking questions mm-hmm. but they have a foundation they have the vocabulary kind of instilled in them and some of the framework through through rote kind of question answer Yes, I think I just see you encouraging families to interact with their kids more, and and you are you seem to be um, highlighting the the parents' role in bringing up their children in home, and I I hear that I see that um, it's just the the greater uh, subject of the school day. Mm. I'm not sure that I've heard as much there. I'd have to yeah. think about it. Also, I'm only here for uh, a certain part of the school year, so there's yeah. there's quite a significant amount that I, I just might not hear because I'm just not here. You guys might be interested in talking with um, Carrie Bath and Karen. They, they mm. teach yep. they teach at the, um, the field school, which is a very interesting um, approach. Really, I think it's really neat. Um, too bad it's out in Oak Park not too far away but that's another part of things is again our church tries to be hyper local be a neighborhood church and be really invested and be missional in our neighborhood and i think being part of a public school is really easy way to do that like that i mean we're part of we're part of the neighborhood by being part of this school right um but if you do a homeschooling thing that would be we want to encourage you to think about how to do that missionally uh how to do that locally you know how to make the, the UIC area kind of your classroom and use it as ways to still engage with maybe the growing number of non-Christians that are kind of intrigued by this homeschooling idea or unschooling or whatever um, and and uh, yeah this is a, a way to be outward focused as well yeah so sort of continuing on what you were saying in the method and means of the church supporting families in the just sort of realm of education. Do you personally feel like that is something that should come from the pulpit or is something like you said, more engaging with the members or engaging maybe with a class or a seminar of some sort? Or do you think that that is a topic to be addressed um, in sermons specifically? Uh, sorry, the first part of the question, what would be addressed, is what to be addressed in sermons specifically? Oh yeah, like what what means do you think is the best just sort of approach or action steps to take when addressing education? Do you think that should be a sermon or more engaging with members like you brought up, Carrie Beth and Karen and that mm, sort probably of Probably more, more engaging individually. I mean, I, I really want the sermons to be, be very careful that I'm not binding anybody's conscience and speaking where scripture is making something like a clear didactic kind of uh, everybody has to do this i, I want to make sure that's clearly tied to scripture mm. um so but in personal or more smaller kind of settings then we can really dialogue and we can talk through and i can help people know what the options are kind of the stuff we've talked about here what are the, the positives and negatives of these different things how to navigate that system um, and be checking in, you know, on how they're doing and trying to encourage them in whatever path they've chosen to be intentional and to not be um, dumping their responsibility off someplace else. Or, the kids grow up so fast, let's not waste 
waste our time. Hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I really appreciate that sort of approach because like you said, there's no direct formula in scripture. There's no three-step plan or any sort of structure that's specifically, um, well, you know, well, I can say scripture says with confidence and applies to everybody is, you know, um, raise your children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So yeah. that is your responsibility, especially mm-hmm. as a dad, um, be involved. Um, and you have to be proactive about that. So I can hold everybody accountable to that. Yeah, absolutely. And just creating a sort of environment where dialogue about education can be very open and very approachable. Um, Yeah, I think that's so important just to be able to ask those questions and not feel judgment for, you know, taking a different route, but asking and being approachable about how can I promote my, um, the, just the fear and love of the Lord, like, within my children in this specific educational context. So I love that there's sort of a open um, environment of dialogue in the church for that. Cool. This has been fun. Got anything else? Yeah. I just, the last question that I would want to hear from you is, is what books would you recommend on education from a biblical, biblical worldview? You did, um, mention a couple books in, in the course of this discussion, but I was just wondering if there's anything that you would <clears throat> take the time out to give a few bullet point recommendations. Yeah. I don't know if I have great ones, but I'm, I'm, a, I'm a product of Wheaton, which is kind of this... I'm a big believer in a Christian higher education. I think that's a... It's a I hope that that... Again, it's not the only way. You could go to a public... Uh, university and get a degree that would help your job well but but I really hope there stays this residential four-year learning community that's that's uh, an intentional Christian community I think that there's a a place for that it's a great it's a great thing and uh, that there is a great place to be uh, stirring Christians to think really well and deeply about all disciplines um, mm-hmm. so stuff like that I, mean, I remember Dwayne Litvin I think his son is a professor at Moody Dr. Litvin but he was the president yes. at Wheaton he wrote a book on Christ-centered education um, mm. Cornelius Planinga he was at Calvin mm. yep. he has yep. a book mm-hmm. called Engaging God's World um, <laughs> yes that's a, I think we actually have to read that book for this oh, class cool mm-hmm. yeah I think that was a good one um, not great on everything but some good a good kind of worldview there um no oh, there's the classic kind of um mark knoll book the scandal of the evangelical mind first line hmm. is the scandal of the evangelical mind is that there's not much of an evangelical mind <laughs> and he kind of goes through yes. some of the historical reasons for why american christianity is intellectually weak um wow so uh, that was a good one yeah, I'd have to think more, but hopefully that's answers the question well enough. Yes, yes, that gives uh, a few different uh, suggestions to go think about and uh, look up. If you want something um, really provocative, uh, okay. I don't think I agree entirely with everything that he would say, but it's a little bit of a different approach. It's um, Living in God's Two Kingdoms by David Van Drunen. And I generally agree with the two kingdoms theology. It's, it's historically a Lutheran kind of approach to culture. Um, I think I'm mostly a two kingdoms guy. But there's a chapter in there where he applies it to education uh, very provocatively. So I just throw that out there. Yes, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing your thoughts and your perspective and your time and just the approach that you've taken um, just from your own life and, and your family and thinking about education, the world, learning, and God, I, I have some good things to think about myself here. Mm-hmm. Um, I was homeschooled K through 12. Um, the class that we're in is strongly promoting Christian education, mm-hmm. um, but it's been interesting to hear a, a public school education uh, done well, but it sounds like a lot of it is based on very, very, very strong home yeah, foundation 
on God. Well, this has been a fun conversation. I think it will be useful to other people that listen in. And uh, I think you're going to be a great teacher, Joy. And I think I'm looking forward to hearing how that goes as you do your student teaching and and then plan to go back out to the Northeast and and be part of that. I think it's an important thing. And even more so as the world, as America culture gets more explicitly uh, anti-God. Um, I'll, I'll just, I'll end with this, but I mean, several of my daughters have, have always wanted to be teachers as, as long as they could answer that question. What do you want to be when you grow up? And I always thought like, oh, that's cute. And of course, that's a great profession, be a teacher. But the more I think about it, like in, in 15 years, um, how hard it's going to be to be a Christian mm. and teach in a public school. And, you know, I think yes. it, and to say, no, I can't. I can't teach that. I can't say that. Mm. And I think it, it, it may be really hard for Christians to be faithful uh, to Christ and to be uh, doing the public education. So it, it, there's going to be a huge need for there to be Christian schools. And I hope people are thinking through how to fund that well and how to do that well. Um, so there can be a place for people to, to teach from an explicitly Christian perspective. So. Yes. Anyway, it's Good Friday. <laughs> Sunday's coming. Life's looking up. Christ is on his throne. Mm-hmm. And his kingdom will uh, will have no end. So we can yes. take heart in that. Yeah. Praise God. Yes. All right. Anything else from you, Emma? No, thank you so much again for your time and perspectives and just for stewarding this conversation about education so well. I think this is a great springboard just to continue this education in IBC specifically, and I'm excited for the, just to watch it grow and continue. So, Awesome. I think this fits in well with kind of the theme we're doing this year. Last, the last podcast was uh, interviewing a, a Christian who is a lawyer and thinking about law. So this one's kind of engaging with the field of education. And uh, next week, we're going to interview a member of the church who is an interior designer. So stay tuned for that one. All right. right. Thanks so much. much. This was great. Hey, thank you. Thank you. Bye.